Okay. Got home from the race, parked in front of my house, and started unloading my vehicle, and everything was normal, and I had just finished unloading, and was about to close the back door of my car and get ready, change, and shower for the rest of my night. And at that point, I felt an impact and was pushed back into the back of my SUV. And I looked down, and both of my legs were disconnected at that point. It happened that fast. Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone. I hope you're having a great day and an awesome holiday season. It is officially that time of year. The weather's changing. It's really cold in Boulder today, like 14 this morning. Uh, we're making our lists, and in the case of my daughter Wilder, we're changing our lists every single day, especially after I already figured out her perfect gift. In other words, the pressure's on to nail it this holiday season. You got to hit the parties, you got to get the perfect gifts, you got to make the food, you got to give everyone what they need to feel happy and loved. And in my opinion, that pressure can often turn into stress and meltdowns. And then let's just add cold season into the mix. I have a little one right now myself. The point is that we all need to take some important moments to breathe and refocus. And remember that life is precious and special even when we're caught up in the whirlwind of the holiday season. Can anyone relate? I kind of feel like you can. So today's guest, Craig Towler, is someone who will act as a bright light for us when things get tough. In July 2016, Craig was struck by an impaired driver while unloading supplies from his car after working a race at the Boulder Res right in front of his home in Boulder. Both of his legs were disconnected from his body in the impact. I'm going to take a sec to let you let that soak in for you. So Craig survived barely and today he's thriving, but he's also facing the world as a double amputee, a title he is working hard to embrace as he continues to pursue the life that he's, he dreams about. Um, I reached out to Craig after following his story for a year and asked if he would meet me to decide if he wanted to be a guest on my podcast. The minute I met Craig, I knew I was in the presence of someone who was put here to cast a light on this world and everyone he touches. Yes, the accident changed him and in some ways opened his eyes, but I truly believe that he would be leaving his mark of positivity no matter what direction his life took and what direction it continues to take. I know that um, some of you will wonder about the accident and specifically the driver who hit Craig. I know I did. 
you can feel free to Google it and I'm sure you'll gain some information, but the truth is Craig doesn't want to focus on that part of his story. It doesn't help him move his life forward, so we don't discuss it, just in case you're wondering. Today, we have a long discussion and awesome discussion about so many different aspects of life from relationships with others to our relationship with our own bodies, uh, the technical details of having amputated limbs, including a great cameo from his prosthetist, Angela. That is a fun word to say. Uh, we also have a few fun interruptions and another on-the-spot cameo from his girlfriend, Amanda. See, Craig surrounds himself by incredible people, and he kind of said, you know what? It's my entourage. I got a posse, and he should. <laughs> You will find that Craig is like a mix between the guy next door who you want to hang out with every day and one of the most inspirational and enlightened people who walk this earth. And when I say walk, you'll see what I mean when you follow Craig on Instagram. He is back on two legs, or he was and he will be again. Um, actually, I mentioned this in the interview, our goal is to get Craig up to 10,000 followers on Instagram. He's at just over 6,000. So make sure you follow Craig.A.Towler, T-O-W-L-E-R, and, and share it with your friends. Share his story. Share his Instagram page. It will help him get the word out about his new business, Amputee Concierge, a free service he wants to provide to help other people who are going through tough tough things like limb loss or specifically limb loss because that's what Craig does. You know, when faced with a setback that meant he had to push pause on his progress with his prosthetic legs and spend months back in a chair, Craig started a business and not only a business, but a business to help others. So be sure to hit the show notes on nicoldaboom.com. Craig's is episode 77. I have links to his websites and also his Instagram there. There's also a link to donate. Uh, your money can help Craig get his business off the ground as well as continue to assist with the ongoing costs of life as a double amputee, which let's just say it's not cheap. Uh, there's no reason not to follow and support this amazing human being. All right. I think I built him up enough, <laughs> enough to actually embarrass him, which you will probably find after you listen to him. He is an incredibly humble person. All right, then let's get Craig on the show. We're just going to jam for a minute here and then Tim will just pick it up when we start yeah. here. But I love your apartment. Thank you. And it's a condo. It's a really cool condo. Yeah, it's awesome. So did you have to modify anything after the accident? Uh, not here. Right after the accident, I moved in to my grandma's house in South Boulder. Oh, okay. And it was a single story. And it was, I did need modifications. We had to put in a ramp to get inside and bars in the bathroom and a seat in the shower. And I lived there for probably six, seven, eight months after the okay. accident. Yeah. And then last spring I moved in here with my girlfriend Amanda and this is her place and there's actually no handicap modifications in this entire apartment and we found a way to make it work and I can use 
the bathrooms and shower and everything without any modifications. That is so cool. So, yeah. and Amanda's here. She's mm-hmm. just hanging around. We yep. might throw her on this interview. Oh, we definitely, we definitely should yeah, we'll, ask her a couple of questions we'll out of the blue. We'll put her on the spot. I mean, because you're kind of like, you're a big guy. So is your chair bigger than the normal size chair? It is. And especially I have some larger wheels put on it. I mean, they're cool. They're like badass mountain bike yeah, type. Yeah, they're actually, they are mountain bike tires. Oh, really? Yeah. So you could go cool. and pick these up at a mountain bike store nice. and use them on your bike. So it makes me a little bit wider, but I'm still able to fit through doorways and that's really all I need. And then I figure out a way to awkwardly transfer to whatever I need to and just make it work. Awesome. Because the majority of places that I do need to go are not handicap accessible or if they are, they are for, you know, just not perfect situations. So it's helpful to have to be put in these situations and just learn how to do what you need to do on a day-to-day basis, and then you're not restricted based on mobility, which is really a really a cool thing because in the beginning, I really needed a bar in an exact place, a uh, exact angle to get to this thing, and I felt really restricted to what I can do. And then just as time goes by, we kinda get put into new situations and get more confidence with our movement and how we can move our bodies and what we feel comfortable doing and then you realize that you can really do whatever you want. And I can now transfer into, we use big trucks for work, and I can transfer into a lifted truck without assistance and do that, so. And it's super empowering after going through something so traumatic. You know, we're just gonna dig, we're gonna dive right in. Okay. So about a year and a half ago, right? Yes. A year and a half ago, um, you experienced something you can't really term anything other than a life-changing event. Mm-hmm. We're going to get into how that actually changed your life or if it did or didn't in certain ways. Um, I found this really interesting. From an outsider's perspective, which is me, you know, just say, who's been watching you since the accident. Before the accident, I didn't know you, but I dug back into your Instagram. So mm-hmm. say someone who'd been following you on Instagram is following you along and you are posting these amazing outdoor adventure shots. You're like shirtless in some of them. You got the gun showing, like rocking up mountains, just robust, awesome athletic life. I think the last one I saw before the accident um, was some kind of cool PR going up Sinaitis. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it goes dark and there's nothing for maybe about six weeks, I think in your case. And then the next photo, there you are, but you're missing half of your legs. And it's that like six week window that it's, it's like you disappeared, but you didn't, you were struggling. You were going, you were going through all kinds of stuff. And that's when I want to start the interview on is taking people through what happened. And then what happens in that period when you have to figure shit out, like you were just talking Mm -hmm. about here. Um, before you can come back out and present yourself or be in a place where you can kind of like rejoin the world. Mm -hmm. It's just a really interesting thing. Where did he go? I wonder what's going on with Craig. And then you show up and it's like, whoa, something happened. Mm -hmm. So I know it's like, it's kind of a big thing, but it's just, it's a very strong visual. If you actually think about it that way, you know, here I am living my life. And all of a sudden I show up and I, I look very different. But mm-hmm. am I different? So will you take us through the accident? I know you've talked about it a lot and life before and what really happened and take us through those six weeks. 
Yeah, going back to what you were saying with social media and kind of going dark and then re-emerging, it kind of, you know, the cool thing about social media is you get to show people whatever aspects of your life you want to. And right after the accident and, you know, it's very visual. And the thing about my accident is it is very visual. I can't hide it. So when people meet me, it's obvious that something happened that changed my life and my physical appearance. And, you know, it's something you can't hide. And it's something that before you feel comfortable with sharing with people, you have to be okay with it with yourself. And that's pretty much what was I was dealing with during that time since the accident until I decided to start sharing my story is it took a good amount of time for me to be comfortable with my new body and confident enough to share that with other people. And yeah, it's a process. And a lot of the time I didn't even recognize myself. I would look in the mirror and not recognize the person looking back at me. And I had to come to terms with the reality of my situation before I wanted to, to share that with anyone else. And I also, it was a really personal thing to go through. And I needed to go through that on my own and with my family and loved ones before I wanted to share that with, with you know, people. Who didn't know you. Exactly. But who may, even though they yeah. didn't know you, like me. I cared. I exactly. felt for you. I wanted to help you. And know? that honestly was one of the biggest reasons I did choose to start sharing my story because I knew how much support I had and how many people were out there that cared about me. And I wanted to find a way to share my kind of rehabilitation and progress with everyone out there and putting kind of myself out there on a public platform was a good way that I could share and show the people that have been supporting me that I'm still here, I'm still kicking, and I'm going to keep going strong and that your support is what allows me to be here and allows me to post pictures of me working out and still doing fun stuff and living, living a good life. And that's because of the people that have been around me and supported me from day one. It's true. And a lot of people, a lot of them I don't know, probably 90% of the people that follow me on social media I haven't met personally but I appreciate their support and just that they take the time it's pretty cool to think that people are out there watching the stuff I do and find it inspirational and I think that's a really cool thing and motivates me to to keep moving forward with everything I'm doing. Well, okay, everyone listening, let's get Craig up to 10,000 Instagram followers by the end of this podcast, okay? Come on, share his story. He's that'd amazing. Be, be amazing. <laughs> let's do it because we need more. We need to have just a bigger community to support each other yeah. in general. But it speaks also to relationships, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, the people who've been there for you along the way, the people who've come and gone. Some people, their roles in our lives are to be there during the really hard stuff. And then they're not really in our lives again, but they hold it. We hold a special mm-hmm. place for them, you know, and some people they fall off when tough when things are too hard for them to handle. It's not you. They mm-hmm. can't handle it. You know, things like that. So um, I, I guess I bring that up because I do want to hit on a really fun relationship we can talk about. But before we get to Angela, mm-hmm. <laughs> or not Angela, Angela too, Amanda, yeah. your girlfriend. Uh-huh. Um, Angela <laughs> is your prosthetist. Yep. How do you say Prostatist. that? Prostatist. Prostatist. Because yes. did I say it the wrong word? The wrong no, way? You, you, said it, you said it correctly. All right. Yeah. Because, you know, we know that that can be a very... Yeah, you really have to articulate yes. how, you, how you say her title. <laughs> you do. Um, 
but let's let's go back to life before the accident. What were you doing? What were those photos that we see saw on Instagram? Like, what were your goals? What was your purpose in life before this accident? Uh, you know, we'll start with a pretty broad question, I guess. Yeah. But I guess my purpose was I was enjoying life. I was enjoying working and being outside and being with my friends and family. I just started a new relationship with my girlfriend. We went on our first date almost less than a month prior to my accident and being outside and working hard with the company that I'd been with and finally starting to solidify my roles in the long term with the company and getting new tasks to do and just really being comfortable with where I was at as a person and you know enjoying life and yeah and your body like physical activity was a big part of that you yep. grew up in boulder you've always been an outdoorsy guy yep right? always enjoyed being outside working out and just newly taking advantage of hiking and trails always always like to hike and be outside but just in the past couple of years i'd really gotten into trail running and being outside and hiking and just a kind of renowned re newfound love for where i live and the outdoors and trying to take advantage of it every day by trying to get outside and also with work we put on triathlons so i'd get to be outside putting on races here in colorado at the boulder reservoir in St. George, Utah, and also Las Vegas, and just being outside was my favorite part of every day. Absolutely, and let's give a little shout out to your employer because they've been pretty amazing through this whole. Yeah, they've been amazing, great mm -hmm. support system. What's the name of them? BBSC <laughs> Endurance Sports. Yep. If you're local, you probably know our some of our races, Boulder Sunset Triathlon at the end of the summer, then we have Boulder Sunrise to kick off the summer and try Boulder in mid-July. And then also a couple running races, Boulder Res Half Marathon and the Boulder Res Marathon. So let's go back to July 4th, 2016. Yeah. You were working a race. Yep. We put on a race, a 10K, 5K at the Boulder Reservoir. 2016, it was called Earn Your Independence. And it was just a fun race where we'd get out there and have everybody get a little workout and exercise in on the 4th of July before they go out and spend time with family and celebrate Independence Day. And so what happened after the race? Oh, it was actually during the race. It was a fun day because it was my first race as the timing specialist. Oh. Yeah. I'd been in training for months before that. And this was the actual, the first race where I actually did it all myself and produced the race and timing for it. And it went really well. So it was a really cool day. Well, and I, I do know I've been involved in a lot of events in my previous athletic career, mm -hmm. and um, timing is a beast. Yeah, it's a lot trickier than uh -huh. you would think and a lot trickier than I thought it was going to be when I first started to learn the new systems. And yeah, so that was the first one. So that was a big accomplishment so for me. I was yeah. pretty proud of myself for getting that one done, given it was one of our smaller races and just a 10K, 5K, but it was kind of the warm-up yeah. steps for our future triathlons and my future position with the company. So it was definitely an exciting milestone for myself and an accomplishment as well. Absolutely. It's so cool. Yeah. So and I think everyone got the right time that day too. Yeah. So. <laughs> if they didn't, they're not going to complain Exactly. Now. If they didn't, please no, e no emails about that. <laughs> yeah. We're okay. I think we're safe. <laughs> so, uh, so you load up your car with supplies and whatnot, right? Yep. Drive home. You live in Boulder. Yep. Live in Boulder, right down the street center of Boulder. And 
was excited to get home, change, shower, and then I actually had a date with my girlfriend, Amanda. And this was your second date? Oh, you know, we had gone on a couple hikes and hung out, did yoga at the park once. Wow, that's yeah, pretty impressive. I pretended that I knew how to do yoga, <laughs> and she was a yoga teacher at my gym at the time. And I thought that'd be a good way to get to know her. So I pretended I knew how to do some yoga and she took me through some hard stretches in the park and I embarrassed myself pretty good. Awesome, I love it. Yeah, so then we had gone on a couple hikes, done yoga, and I think we went to the movies and dinner, which was our first real official date, and then had dinner a couple other times. But then the 4th of July, I guess, I wouldn't say it'd be our second date, but it'd be a bigger bigger yeah. deal because it was a holiday and definitely something I'd been looking forward to all day. Did you get to have that date? <laughs> no. I so did let, not. Let's let's tell people what happened um, okay. after you got home from the race that day. Okay. Got home from the race, parked in front of my house and started unloading my vehicle and everything was normal and I had just finished unloading and was about to close the back door of my car and get ready, change and shower for the rest of my night. And at that point I felt an impact and was pushed back into the back of my SUV. And I looked down and both of my legs were disconnected at that point. It happened that fast. Wow. So was there, uh, so there's a car, like you're all connected at this point. This car didn't like back off and drive away. It wasn't like a hit and run. No, it was not a hit and run. And was the driver was impaired? I mean, I think that's, yes, that's we've what read I, about that. That's what yep. I learned after the fact. Mm-hmm. At the time I knew, I knew nothing. I wasn't even 100% sure what happened. I no, you're, didn't you, see it happen or anything. I just heard a loud crash and at the same time was pushed back and then. And so you're in a state of like disbelief, but when your legs are, literally they were disconnected yes you could see that they were like not attached yes oh my gosh um so how how are you still alive today uh i'd say just a combination of luck and the kindness of strangers and the willingness to come to someone's aid who's in need and then just the really good work of first responders and then surgeons at at the hospital and so i think just if one little thing was different i think it could be a much different situation and for some reason everything worked out the way it did and i'm still here and you know you guys are going to go over to Craig's. He's got a couple of websites. We're going to talk about one of his businesses he's starting to, but you can read his story in more detail. And, um, one of the things that has always struck me is that you were fully aware and awake the whole time. And to the point of instructing people on how to attach tourniquets to your legs, right? Correct. Yes. And so there were enough people around on the street that they could come to your aid because you, you couldn't do it yourself. Yeah, thankfully it was the 4th of July and because we the house I was living at at the time was somewhat close to the university, so a lot of people were walking up to up to the stadium to watch the fireworks and tradition I've done and might have been doing that night. So there were a lot of people out, which is good, and people walking by and after the impact happened, there were a good number of people who I was able to yell to to come help and at the time when it first happened, I was sitting on the tailgate of 
my vehicle and I asked for help to be lowered down so I could lay down on the, the street. Because probably the people who were coming upon you were also in shock. Yes. Like it, I, it didn't I can seem only, real. I can only imagine. Yeah. It was definitely a very stressful situation and everything happened really quickly. Um, we're so in the, you know, in a case like yours, there's like, of course you're going to be bleeding out, yes. right? So you had to tie tourniquets super tight. You never passed out. No, I never did. And I'm still not sure how that happened. I don't know either. And with a lot of the stuff that happened that day, I don't really have an explanation of how it happened or how I was coherent and able to make the decisions that I did. But as I said before, just thankful that it did happen that way. Yeah. Because things could be, you know, a lot different depending on circumstances and little things here and there. And speaking of, you know, the people who were there in that very first moment, that's probably sort of like a dream now, but did, do you know any of them still? Have you reconnected with anybody? Uh, I've actually, I've spoken with two of the people. I won't say their names just because I'm not sure if they'd want me to, but they know who they are and they're just amazing people. And one of the gentlemen that helped tie the tourniquets around my legs using his belt on the 4th of July this year, one year anniversary anniversary of my accident, he was actually at my the race that was named after me at the Boulder Reservoir. And after the race was done, after he ran the race, he came up and introduced himself and said, I wanted to introduce myself. I was one of the people that helped put a tourniquet on you after your accident. And that's a very, very surreal thing thing to have someone say to you and made me pause and all I could do was just shake his hand and say thank you so much it's amazing that's about all I could say right in that moment and just kind of sat there shaking his hand and just thank you and I've actually had that experience multiple times with meeting first responders and just people that were there that I didn't remember specifically and Thankfully, they've come up and all said thank you all. Right, and now I live close to a police station, and when I be wheeling to the grocery store to get to get something, a police officer will stop and roll down his window and say, "Hey, are you Craig?" And I go, "Yeah." They go, "Yeah." I was the first officer on your scene, and I'll say his name. His name's actually Craig. Was one of the first officers (laughs) on my scene, and I met him down the block and just rolled down the window and said, "Are you Craig?" I said, "Yeah, I'm Craig." He's like, "I'm Craig too." I was one of the first responders at your accident. And again, I just say thank you. Wow. It's just amazing because you're connected to a lot of people now that you never would have thought mm. in a very deep way. But um, yeah, I mean, from terrible, crazy things come a lot of incredible things. Yeah. Um, so, so you get to the hospital and they're able to stabilize you. Yeah, it was, it was actually a pretty long trip to the hospital. I was put in a ambulance and taken to Boulder Community Hospital right down the road from my house. Mm-hmm. And then it, the decision was made that I needed to be transported on a flight for life, a helicopter to Denver Health to their trauma unit because they had a, a much better trauma unit, more suited to deal with my type of injuries. So I actually got to take my first helicopter ride, which wasn't as fun as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> you weren't looking out the windows? No. <laughs> Did they have you on any kind of like pain meds yeah. or anything Yeah, at that I point? was on pain medicine. The second okay. that I was put into the ambulance, I was put on pain medicine. I'm not sure exactly what. And it definitely, 
it was definitely still painful, but I'm sure it worked because it was the only way that yeah. I could have stayed, didn't pass out, mm-hmm. but they de- definitely wanted me to not pass out and keep talking to them. And I remember chatting with them a little bit in the ambulance and saying, I'm still, I'm okay. And still here and little things like that. And yeah, before I was transported in the ambulance, I remember giving my cell phone to one of my roommates at the time and asking her to call my mom and to call Cedric, who I work with two people and let them know that something had gone on so that they could be informed. And then my mom was able to meet me at the hospital because she got that message. Um, at what point did you break your date? <laughs> uh, I actually didn't break it, it didn't break me. it myself. I gave Cedric the job to do that. <laughs> I told him that I need him to call Amanda and let him know that I won't be able to make it. Well, the good thing is that you actually made it. When we're talking make it or not make it, that's a big, that's got a lot more meaning on that one, mm-hmm. one important day. Um, how close were you to not making it? Uh, very close. The amputation process that they told me, they said it was life or limb, which means that with the severity and trauma with the injuries, if my legs were not amputated, I would have died from blood loss because there was no other way to stop the bleeding. Okay, so they you got right into surgery and they just went to work? Uh, I think so. I know that I went through a series of at least five surgeries throughout that entire week. And I think it's hard to say exactly which order they went in. Mm-hmm. But I do remember at one point when I spoke with my surgeon and he had done one of the amputations and at that point they were he was telling me that they were going to try to save my right knee okay because they wanted to try and do that and unfortunately they weren't able to do that so I remember a little bit of the talks before that but there was definitely no chance that my legs would ever be saved it was just the degree of how high the amputation would have to be up above the trauma right and of course you want to have a below the knee amputation if you can right yeah that's what i've learned that having the having that knee there and those extra mobility or movement and muscles is really beneficial with walking with prosthetics so let's talk about what ended up happening then so they didn't save the right knee but you have a process i'd never heard of yeah my right leg it's called the through the knee amputation so my i don't have a knee there but it looks like i do my femur is still full length and they actually took the kneecap and rotated it down to the base of my femur, and that's where they reconnected all my hamstrings and ligaments and everything so I can flex my hamstrings and I can flex my quads. It's pretty crazy stuff. So cool. And yeah, and then it's kind of a little, I don't know, bulgy there because that's where they connected all my stuff. So it almost looks like I have a knee there, but I don't. And yeah. And I have pretty long femurs, so I still have a really long area there to put the prosthetic on, which is really good for stability because a lot of people that have a shorter limb and no knee have to have the the prosthetic go all the way up to their waist, and that could be more uncomfortable. So luckily I have a a big, strong bone there that's solid to kind of help stabilize myself. So what about the other leg? The other leg is uh, below the knee, so I have my full knee, if you're curious, take off my stockings. Yeah, check it out. Guys, we're getting a little video action. Yeah, my other one is below the knee, so I have my knee and everything works like it should. And just my little 
nub right there. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That looks really good. Yeah, and it, it looks really good now, a lot better than it did before. Oh, is that the one that's had the, um, was rejecting the, uh, what was it? Uh, it's not. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's, that's more recent. Okay. And then if you can, I also had to have, to keep the amputations at the length that they were, they needed to take skin grafts to be able to close the wound completely mm -hmm. so that they wouldn't have to take the amputation up any higher. Yeah. And that's why I still have my left knee. And they took the skin grafts from the top of both of my thighs and yep. put it on the bottom of my leg to help close up that whole area. And so I don't have that much length below my knee on my left side, but enough to still give me better balance and mobility when I will be Absolutely. walking with prosthetics. We got to get into like the recovery because, well, first of all, do you even remember what was going through your head in the first, say, week after the accident? I mean, were you in a dark place? Is it like a dream? Or were you kind of like accepted it? And like, how did you, how'd you react? Uh, you know, I guess I wasn't reacting. I was just kind of going through everything that was happening, trying to live in the moment as much as I could. I knew that what was going on had to become real because it did feel really surreal with everything going on because it happened so quickly. It was pretty much you snap your fingers and then you look down and you don't have any legs pretty much. And then it doesn't seem real. And your mind starts flashing of, why did this happen? How did it happen? can you go back? And it just didn't seem real. So my biggest task that I wanted to overcome mentally was just kind of realizing that this was happening. And then once I could tell myself that this was happening, then I could start figuring out how to deal with it in the correct way. But how, what, how did you allow yourself to accept it? Was it a moment and or was it a morning process? I think it I think it happened really quickly. I remember I don't know if this was the exact moment, but I was in the hospital and I remember pulling my mom close and telling her this has to be real. We have to make this real and acknowledge what had happened and so that we can start moving forward. Wow. So how long were you in the hospital? I'd say I was in intensive care for maybe 2 weeks okay. and then I was transferred to Boulder Community Hospital. Okay. You can hang out here for a second. Oh, yeah. Cool. All right, we can pause. Probably a pizza. Yeah. Oh, good. Did you? No. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, you guys, we're back. Uh, Craig just got a uh, surprise package. Actually, Amanda, <laughs> we think, got the surprise package for Craig, and he's yeah, trying to think, figure we out. We think his... it's a Christmas present, yeah. so we're trying to figure out what it is. Well, any any guesses? Angela over there? Sure. Some yeah, kind of clothing. I think it's clothing. She tries to dress you? Well, she doesn't try. She succeeds and does a good job. Oh, good. <laughs> I love that. Oh, oh, oh. it's for her. <laughs> Too bad. Never mind. False alarm. <laughs> so, um, so you stayed in the hospital for how long in, in Boulder Community? Uh, Boulder Community. Then I was there for the rest of the month. So probably a couple weeks as well. It seems, okay. looking back, it was a lot shorter than it seemed at the time. While I was there... It seemed like months were going by, and yeah. time was kind of standing. Time was kind of standing still, only because I wasn't. I didn't have my normal schedule, and it was so foreign to wake up and not go to work or have stuff to do. So time really dragged on, and 
It was yeah. definitely not, not an easy thing to deal with, but we figured out ways to keep busy. So what were those ways? Oh, there was a nice little park that was across the street from the rehab hospital and I had to get outside every day. So I'd go with my occupational therapist and physical therapist and we just do little cruises across the street to the park. And there were some bars there that I would do pull-ups on and go wheel up and down hills in my wheelchair and just be outside. And I, I really enjoyed those times. And I actually got to go out twice as much because my occupational therapist was there to help me do little things like figure out how to transfer from my bed to my chair and use the bathroom and shower and everything like that. But I really enjoyed going outside. So I asked her if I could test out of all that stuff, which I did in a day. And then I just got to go outside with her for that part of my sessions as well. Wow, that really shows, A, you were a strong and robust person going in, but I think there's also an emotional element to this that, like, you weren't going to thrive inside, you know, slogging through. You just got your, you, you muscled your way through the test so you could get back outside, going all the way back to that whole, like, Instagram visual for people. You were craving that, and yeah. that was probably one of the things that might have helped you heal and recover. I think it was 100%. We have to set goals for ourselves and have little victories and appreciate those little victories and not discredit the little things so that when we do make accomplishments, we can use those as motivation and not just kind of let them fall to the wayside, but really focus on the little day-to-day things that may not seem like a big deal, but really take that and own them as accomplishments and use that as motivation to take on the next step, whatever that may be. And for me, it was as simple as being able to transfer from my bed to my wheelchair without using a transfer board. And instead of thinking, oh, this is nothing because I'm still in a wheelchair after I do it. It was a big deal for me because that meant that that was one thing that I didn't have to be tested on and that could get me one step closer to doing something I enjoyed, which was being outside. So I would use that as kind of motivation to accomplish these little things. And that's kind of what I did. I focused on the little things and that's what helped me move forward so I could eventually conquer the bigger things and I guess in the grand scheme of things everything that we try and do is in some way or another a little accomplishment and it just takes a lot of little accomplishments to get to where we're going so we need to just focus on one at a time and kind of check those off and get done with one and then move to the other and just kind of be really meticulous with how we go through our day and what we accomplish and did you is this how you've always thought? Or is this something that you've learned and embraced more? Because it's an incredible um, life philosophy. I believe in it too. I mean, you can't start a marathon and just think about mile 26.2. You've Mm got to think about each mile along the way. Um, Do you think that this accident has helped you reframe a little bit? Uh, You know, I don't know if it has helped me in that sense. I think it's forced me to. Mm. And I think that's, way to put in. that's something that we don't have too often in our normal lives is we have the ability to have this focus in our everyday life, but there's not always the necessity to do so. But when you're put in a situation where you're the victim of something and it happens to you without your consent, there's a lot of stuff that happens to you without your control. And there's a lot of things that are pushed onto you that you might not have had before. Mm-hmm. 
so the situations that I had to deal with, I don't know if, you know, it's my mind has evolved in a sense that they're new things and I never would have been able to conquer them before. I think I was just put in a situation where I had to go through that. And, you know, it was my way to survive. And as we do as people, we figure out a way to get through tough situations so that yeah. we can survive. And I think that's really what it was. My survival instinct pops into your head and you figure out a way to cope with your situation. And I think for me, putting a bigger focus onto the smaller things was a way to survive because if I were to try and look at everything that was going on and see my life as a whole, that in itself, regardless of an accident or not, is a very overwhelming thing to do mm. and a task that I think is impossible. And we ask, that'd be asking too much from ourselves to try and say, well, what are we going to do with our life now? Right. I mean, if you would have asked me that before the accident, I probably wouldn't have had an answer either. But then when we're forced to take things day by day because this future is even more uncertain, you really, you know, you appreciate the little things more and you realize that you can accomplish things that you might have taken for granted before. Wow. It just brought me back even to like who you are, which is someone who lover of the outdoors, an athlete, someone who embraces life, who takes pride in their work. You know, I was thinking about that just now. Like, has any of that changed or have you just added on to it? Uh, I don't think any of that's changed in the, the essence of, uh, you know, who I am. I still am a very prideful, prideful person. I still enjoy the same things that I enjoyed before. I just have to look at it from a new perspective and a realistic perspective of what I'm capable of now and kind of shift those things and kind of relearn the things I used to do so that I can still accomplish them. And that not only goes with being outside and exercising, but also with work, I don't have the same capabilities as I did before. And that doesn't mean I'm not capable. It just means that the way I accomplish things has to be shifted and looked at from a new, a new angle. Oh, that's such a great way to put it because we all go through a lot of changes in our lives, usually not nearly as severe as yours. Um, but it's, it's a shift in mindset. Exactly. That allows you to stay positive. Yeah. It. And it's also, it's problem solving and yeah. you have to look at it as such so that when you do come to the, to the conclusion and you figure out the answer, you can celebrate that. And it's a fun thing. It's a little victory yeah. because it's something that you wanted to do and you figure out a way to accomplish it. And it's never, I can't do this because of that. It's, I want to do this. So let's figure out how to do it. And that's kind of been the mindset. So whenever there's something that, I get to that's a struggle in my day. I try and take a step back and instead of getting frustrated, I get motivated oh, and use that motivation that. to, to figure out how to get it done. Because at the end of the day, you're either going to accomplish what you want to, or you're not going to. And no matter what is going on in your life, it's still up to you to get it done. If you want to, you can blame whoever you want for not being able to do it, but it's still you who's not accomplishing it at the end of the day. So, even if there is someone to blame for you not being able to do something, it doesn't matter. It's still, still yourself who's going to be missing out at accomplishing that. That's a really good point. So I kind of look at it no matter what's going on, I'm trying to accomplish these things for myself because that's what I want to do. End of story. Well, let's talk a little bit about life as a double amputee. There's a few things that I thought were... There's so much that I find interesting and I want to dig more into, mm -hmm. but... 
when I first met you, you know, we met at Starbucks yeah. and um, we had a little chat and walked outside and it had started snowing and you were in like a flannel shirt and I was like, dude, are you going to get cold? And you were like, nah, I run hot now. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what does that mean? I don't get it. Yeah. So I don't know if this is a, a proven thing, but from what I've heard and also based on myself is that I lose a lot of body heat, heat through my extremities now. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much am constantly producing heat. So I'm hot all the time. So I rarely have to wear a winter coat, even when it's cold out. So I stay warm and definitely frustrating for Amanda cause she's, she <laughs> runs cold. So I'm always wanting to, you know, have the air on and keep the windows open and she's always freezing. So that's kind of the constant battle of heat between us. <laughs> you got to keep it interesting. Exactly. Um, I've got a good gift for you to give her for Christmas. Okay. Yeah, is we'll it, follow is it a heating on. pad? It's like a adult sized, uh, snuggy sleeping oh, bag. Oh, perfect. With she'll, arms and legs. She'll and love that. It's amazing. Um, <laughs> I know she was, she's laughing. <laughs> um, we also talked a little bit about diet. Like, you know, you're still an athlete because yeah. I want to talk about your sports too and how you're able to main, maintain your identity and your love of athletics. But your diet, like, I'm assuming you can't eat as much or do you eat more? Or are you burning more? Like, how and how did that change? Oh, uh, you know, it's hard to say. I don't really count my calories. Yeah. I've kind of done intuitive eating where I try and eat the right things and hopefully that combination of eating the right things will let me know when I'm full so I can stop eating. I did, however, after my accident, go through a phase where I really liked ice cream. So I would eat ice cream all the time and really enjoyed it. <laughs> and I'm not sure what that was. Maybe that was my way of mourning or whatever, but I allowed Could myself to, to eat ice cream. But for whatever whatever reason that was for, I, I ate ice cream every day. But then, you know, I've kind of tried to wheel it in a little bit in the past six months and focus more on what I'm eating and just try and be more conscious of what's going in. And not only for the fact of being healthy, but to keep my kind of the inflammation down in my muscles and everything working properly because I'm really dependent on my arms and my shoulders now for mobility. Mm -hmm. So I need to be a lot smarter about how I'm taking care of myself because an injury in my shoulders or arms not only means that I can't go to the gym for a day like it used to. It means that it hurts transferring into the shower, moving into the bed, using the restroom. So there's kind of, you know, the stakes are a little bit higher for injuries these days. Absolutely. So I try and focus a lot more on stretching now and mobility. And also, you know, diet goes into play a lot with inflammation in my muscles and digestion and stuff like that. Just trying to, you know, be more conscious of everything in a whole and how it affects it because everything is kind of, you know, I pay more attention to the little things now and inflammation in my shoulders means that it can hurt while I'm trying to wheel my chair up a hill or something like that. So just little things like that. I definitely am more conscious of than I might've been before. Um, you had mentioned uh, exploring like vegan diet mm-hmm. and some, is that still on the table? Yeah, it's still on the table. Yeah. yeah going strong cool. since I think it was mid August. I cut out, meat and dairy products from my diet 
and going strong to this day. Nice. Yeah. It's funny when we met, you were like, oh, I'm going to go get some almond milk. And then you put the hot coffee cup right in your crotch area. Yeah. And I thought we need to come up with an invention. The, the stakes are high. I you know gotta... it's, but you need the almond milk. It's important. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, I think that's really cool. And you know, it definitely, you, you just have an opportunity to, to experiment with all kinds of things right now. Mm-hmm. And it, it is still life or death in a way, you know, like you're right. If you're creating inflammation in your body and you can eat in a way that's going to limit that, why wouldn't you do that? Exactly. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I say it a lot. I want to try and be proactive with the things that I can control and, you know, just like working out. That's what I've always loved about working out and dieting is that's something that we have 100% control of in our bodies. And it's so easy to manipulate how we feel and what we're capable of with little things like what we fuel our bodies with. So I've always been really interested in that. And I've always, through the course of my you know, adult life, since I've been in control of my diet and what I've eaten, I've always loved to experiment with different diets and see how that correlates to how you feel and just kind of take what works and then move on to something that doesn't and not be afraid to try new things. And especially something like not eating meat or dairy, that'd be something that I never would have thought of before, but I was open to trying and I am happy with how I feel and yeah, going to continue, going to continue it. It's amazing. You know, you mentioned control. I know I, I think a lot of people put too much energy, which turns into negative and wasted energy into things that they cannot control. Mm-hmm. Um, a driver hit you who is impaired. Like, you could not control that. You couldn't control that the driver was impaired. You couldn't control if the driver had had um, something else happen Mm -hmm. that wasn't in his control, Mm -hmm. right? So these things happen to us, but it's how we react. Exactly. And I think it's part of how you react is it's part of the healing process, too. And you need to empower yourselves and kind of bring agency to your back to your own decision making. And when there's so much stuff that is out of your control, it's really valuable to take control of the little things and something may sound silly, but something as simple as what you eat is a big life decision. And it's very empowering to know that you have control over that. And if you want to do things a certain way, you can do that regardless of what people think about that decision. And, you know, it's just taking little things like that and knowing that bringing the power back to yourself which is really, really important when so much has been taken from you. It's It's important to focus on what you still have control of and what hasn't been taken. And uh, since I still do have control of the rest of my life, I'm really taking that with a, you know, full on and going to do it how I want to and, you know, not live with a disability, but just live my life and not be restrained by anything. We're hitting on some really good words. I was going to do some word play, but you're yeah, I've hitting got, them I've all. I've got a anyway. list of key words that I've been trying to... No, I'm just I joking. I love it. Good. <laughs> We're hitting them all. Um, because like one of the things that's making me... Well, one of the things I love about you is that you're allowing yourself to be a vulnerable person by putting yourself out there now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a video... First of all, everyone, get over to his Instagram and follow Craig. And you pronounce your last name Towler. Craig Towler, Towler right? Yes, correct. Yeah. Boom. Um, is it Craig.Towler on Instagram? Uh, Craig.A.Towler. Okay, Craig.A. What's yep. the A stand for? Alexander. All right, I like yep. it. Mm-hmm. Strong name. <laughs> um, and you posted a, a video and you were like, you guys, it's kind of embarrassing scooting around the gym on my butt. 
but that's how I have to do it. So one day I finally just embraced it and here I am, check out this workout. And it was the most badass workout. Yeah. Like being vulnerable like that and putting yourself out there, that's not something everyone can do. Is that something you've always been able to do? Not necessarily. And you know, it hasn't been something that I've really had to do, especially in the sense of working out. I've always gone to the gym and worked out, but there was never really anything that made me stand out. There's never really anything that would put the focus on me and make people stop what they're doing and look at me. Whereas now, as I mentioned before, with the nature of my injuries and a lot of, and every other person that has a physical disability or an amputation, we're super visible in society and we can't hide it. And that puts a new light on us. So every little thing that we do everywhere we go, the focus is automatically put on you. So that kind of puts you on this new platform where people are watching you Mm -hmm. and that's a hard thing to do. And it's easy to be embarrassed and feel self-conscious because I'm of course self-conscious and still am about everything that I do. And it's not, do you think that will ever change? I don't know. It's hard to tell. I guess Mm -hmm. I could say, I hope it would change, but you know, it is what it is. And you know, my physical body isn't going to really change. So regardless of that, I have to know that this is me forever. Right. And that's something I have to come to terms with and then just deal with it and not let it hold me back. And that's kind of with why a lot of the stuff I do post to Instagram is embarrassing to me in a sense. And of course, I think I look ridiculous when I'm rolling around on the floor trying to do push-ups. And it I do it because it helps me build confidence for myself to be able to share stuff that is not easy for me to do. It helps me build confidence to, to do that and be like, you know what, this is me. And it's one thing to look at yourself in the mirror, but it's another thing to put it on the internet for people to look at and be open to comments as well. So it's, you know, it's a way I, to empower myself to feel comfortable with, with how I am in my new body. Yeah. And that's so strong for anyone listening who's feeling insecure about an issue or a thing you're going through. Yours is very visual. I mean, when people see you, do you get comments? Uh, every single day. Yeah. Oh, really? What mm-hmm. do people say? Oh, uh, it's mainly little kids. They're very perceptive. <laughs> They'll look at me and ask me straight to my face, where did your legs go? <laughs> or even better, just the, the stare. I get that a lot walking yeah. by. And because of the late nature of my injuries, I get a lot of people who think that, ask me if I was in the military Mm. and thank me for my service. And just a lot of people that are really nice or people that are, you know, no one's ever not nice or has been, but just really, you know, openly, you know, bold about their questions. The first time I traveled through Mm -hmm. the airport, I'd have strangers walk up and just blatantly ask, what happened to you? Where'd your legs go? And... You know, questions maybe they're not necessarily strange, but they would catch me off guard because who I am, I, would, I wouldn't I would go up to a stranger and ask a question yeah. like that to someone I didn't know. So I guess I was kind of surprised by that. Uh-huh. And it doesn't surprise me anymore because I, I guess people are curious. Yeah. And I do want to answer the questions honestly and, you know, mm-hmm. give people the information that they're looking for so that they can learn from the interaction. And the last thing I want to do is to give people a bad interpretation of the interaction, you know, cause I don't want to be rude and have them walk away and be like, Oh, make them think that 
people in wheelchairs are grumpy or anything like that. And, <laughs> You're and start, the last thing. Yeah, and start, and start a stereotype. So I am really conscious of how I respond to people yeah. and always try and say hi and be nice to them and you know answer their questions and let them know what's going on because I think it's valuable that if they're curious for them to know what is going on. And I think that's helpful for people to know about stuff like this. And... Um, you know, that's why we, we share our stories. Shared experiences yeah. is such a powerful thing. And we go through life stuck in our own little worlds. And we need to know about each other and what's going on in our lives and learn from one another. And that's a big thing why I chose to... Another reason other than kind of, you know, sharing my story with people who support me and friends and families and like that... When I was in the hospital, as I focused a lot, you know, the only outlet I had at the time was my phone. And I spent a lot of time on social media looking up videos of adaptive athletes working out and doing little day to day things. And that motivated me to see what was out there for kind of my potential for what I could, my future could hold for me. I had no idea what life was going to be like, but I did see people in wheelchairs lifting weights and outside and skiing so I knew there was potential and that there really made me happy and gave me joy through the day so I think it's important to to show those aspects of life so that if someone were to who had just gone through an accident or has a disability or has an amputation if they were to stumble upon my page I want them to see a person that is still living life and to look at me and potentially say you know what if he can do it, why can't I? And then for them to go out and try and be like, oh, I can do this. And then kind of that ripple effect of people trying new things and succeeding and using those successes to help other people succeed. And yeah. then just kind of chain, chain reaction of good happening and everyone learning from one another and not being so distant and feeling so isolated and just building this community of people that is looking out for each other and supporting each other for in whatever way they can. I totally feel that from you. You have, um, there's something about you that maybe it was there before, but I didn't know you then, that allows people to feel comfortable and want to just be who they are. You know, I think that's such a gift. It makes me want to cry right now. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really appreciate what you're bringing to all of us. Um, do you have a few more minutes? Yeah. I won't keep I've you got, too much I've longer. I've got plenty of time. All right, awesome. So I did see um, you You do have legs. Yeah. And so you got up on them for a while, but you're back in the chair. Yeah, actually, it was about a year ago, last November, is when I was casted and fitted for my first set of prosthetics. So like six months after. Yeah. That's pretty, that's, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah, and I still had a good amount of healing that needed to be done especially with my skin grafts but it was healed enough that i could you know start with the compression to get the swelling and edema out of my legs and enough that i could get casted for the first set mm -hmm. and that's when i actually stood up for the first time and took a couple assisted steps and it was pretty weird <laughs> wow i mean how like can you describe how that felt it was pretty surreal it you know it definitely wasn't you know, I don't remember, I, I joked with Angela, my prosthetist, saying that I didn't remember the first time that I 
like the first steps that I took, but I was sure going to remember this time that I took my first steps. And it was definitely really, it felt uncomfortable and awkward and a little bit painful. And it, yeah, it was just, it was really weird. Um, Angela's here. I'm actually going to put her on. Angela, will you explain like what the process was and what his legs are like and where you want to get him down the road? Sure. Um, <laughs> Craig's really fun to work with, if you guys haven't noticed already. Um, no, his, you know, his biggest challenge was, like he mentioned earlier, he has um, skin grafts, that, and they just take a really long time to heal. So um, even though we fit him with prostheses, was it November? Is that what you said? Yeah, it was, you it was November because I remember that's when you were still pregnant <laughs> yeah. with... That's right. Yeah, you're still pregnant, and you were supposed to be on maternity leave, mm -hmm. but I made you come into the office right before Thanksgiving. I think it was, what, the same week that yeah. you gave... That yeah, oh my that's God. right. Yeah, I and I, had you, I pulled you, I, I, I pulled see, you into I the... See, I didn't remember that until he's yeah, reminding me. I'm I like, pulled you into the office like a couple days before you went into labor, and no, uh, I, I'm a slave driver like that, and made you come very and demanding. Give, me, give me adjustments and... It's like you gotta do this and no i re do remember <laughs> well yeah you, it was you were actually yeah because i, I had a c-section on the 22nd yeah. and i think this was the 20th or no it was after i came after the c-section for the delivery because i just because it was important i yeah, really wanted yeah, yeah. to and i remember and you were like don't no it's you don't have to be here <laughs> and i was like you know no, I was not in yeah, a good state. I remember state. that. And you brought in, <laughs> yeah, you brought exactly. in the, the new little guy. And you, yeah, it wasn't you even like a week old. Him, and I was like, you like, you should hold him while you stand. I was like, I can't hold your baby. <laughs> the second, I can't even stand <laughs> yet on my prosthetics. I cannot hold your baby test. right now. <laughs> I do have a lot of faith in him. Craig's very, um, he is very athletic. He's really coordinated. And um, it's fun to get to work with people who have a good sense of their body it makes them that makes their rehab um, and just makes their ability to use a prosthesis so much easier. There are people who are I don't know how to describe it because there are athletic people who don't have a good sense of their body. So it's not just being an athlete. It's just certain people have a really good uh, they have a good mechanical understanding and they have a good sense of their own body. And I guess I would consider that to be like somebody who's coordinated or, mm -hmm. so it's not just like, can you run far or run fast? It's like, can you, are you, are you acrobatic or can, you know, like, I don't know. There's certain people that are just coordinated and Craig's one of them. So he's, he picks up on things really well. He's a good, he learns quickly. So if he can see something and then, you know, he really needs to feel it in his own body in order to learn it and that became really evident through the process of um, standing and walking. Um, so going back to your original question as far as uh, w I think what that process was like and where we want to go, I think um, it's been a really long, slow process. Um, you know, Craig, only we were limited by um, the wound care folks and his you know, skin. And so the directions were to stand for one day a week for little bits of time and um so you know that time would increase each week but it was just once a week uh for months and months and it was because um his skin couldn't really tolerate much more than that and they wanted us to go really slow and allow things to um have time to heal so it uh it was very exciting and and um i don't know frustrating at the same time 
Um, but you know, it's, it's the glass half empty or half full, I guess. So you, we were trying to look at the positives that he was standing and walking. Um, and then we had this recent setback of just the, uh, on, on the right leg. So hope now I think we're actually headed in the right direction and it looks like we'll be, um, really close to getting back up again and his body's healing and changing, which is super normal for a new amputee. So, uh, we'll probably be starting this process all over again of molding and making new prostheses and which goes into your original discussion of just, you know, the, how do you afford wheelchairs and prostheses and all that stuff. It's, um, those are the things that people don't talk about a lot. Um, and I think the media and the average person sees things in the media about uh, oftentimes military related that romanticizes a lot of this stuff like oh you can have a running leg and a skiing leg and a walking leg and but you know that's not the reality for the majority of amputees so um you know if you happen to be an active person and you want to do those things uh luckily there are some really amazing organizations out there that can help you do that but it's you know insurance companies aren't going to help you do that <laughs> they're interested in uh, you know you getting back to walking and that's about it so all right, that was pretty awesome. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, just on the process, it was a really slow process, and we kind of developed a mantra that I like to say worth embracing the process, and it's something that holds true with training for a marathon or triathlon or anything, and it's really when there is a slow process that you're going through in life, and especially something that can be really frustrating, it's really important to not lose track of the of everything that's going on and not just focus on the duration and length that something is taken and how long it's taking you to get to the finish line. And in my case, the finish line would be healing my skin graft so that I could stand for a longer period of time. But it's really figuring out how to use that in between time to still be productive with what we're, what your goals are and not just look back and see it as frustrated, wasted time, but to try and use that space as all right, so this is what's going on. My body needs to heal. So what can I do to help that healing and knowing that the time you're spending now isn't wasted, but working towards a better future where you're healed properly. And that was really a big thing that I continuously had to remind myself on was embracing the process and knowing that there's a reason that things are going this slow and that it's not frustrating. It's what needs to be happening at this time and to just embody that and be like, all right, we got to heal and I'm going to heal up strong so that when I do get to the finish line, it's going to be where I need to be and there won't be any setbacks. Yeah, it's true. It's a lot like training for a race, mm -hmm. right? But there really isn't much of a finish line. Like it just keeps you know, the, changing. Yeah, the finish line keeps moving and, you know, I guess the light at the end of the tunnel or whatever it is, but it's really just living life every day and not having a goal in the future that you're focused on and lose track of everything until you reach it, but just a goal of living every day to the fullest and living the best that you can in every aspect. So at the end of each day, when you get there, you're going to be like, all right, I may not know where the finish line is, but I do know that my time spent today is going to help get me there faster and better no matter when that will be. And I've said that to myself a lot, a lot of times because my goals have been pushed back and there have been setbacks or whatever have changed the timeline of things. But I do feel confident that every day I can sit back and be like, you know what? 
nothing was wasted today and the stuff I did is helping me for tomorrow. This is one thing I love about you too, because when we met up, you had you were in the middle of the setback, right? Yes. Trying to figure out what was wrong. Um, this was just a month ago, and it was like, well, what are you doing in the meantime? You're like, well, I started a business. Because <laughs> <laughs> guess what? I I needed to do something, yeah. and it was calling to you. So let's talk a little bit about amputee concierge. Yeah, this was kind of this has been an idea that has been in the back of my head that I've been talking about for a long time with my girlfriend Amanda and also with my mom and they've been kind of my think tank that I've relied on whenever there was something that I didn't know how to do. I'd sit down with them and we'd talk about how to get something done from little tasks to, you know, how do I transfer into a car? How do I, where do I get someone to put in a seat for my shower? How do I get fitted for a wheelchair? Just little everyday stuff that you don't think twice about until you're in that situation and need mm-hmm. it done. And we didn't know who to who to ask question, these questions to and get answers from. And we'd spend all this time calling people, doing our own research. And then when we'd finally get the answer, we'd have a little victory and we'd always say, man, we should help people with this information that we've learned and we should make it easier for the next person down the road and we kept having instances like this. And then just out of the blue in August, the name amputee concierge popped into my head. And then I just felt this sense of urgency to want to make something real out of the idea. And I took that as a sign that this was the sign to, to start. And because then, what is a concierge? Uh, in my mind, a concierge is just someone that has information and is there to help your experience Mm -hmm. and help you get direction to what you're looking for. And they may have answers to simple questions, but then it doesn't stop there. They will continue and help you find answers to questions that they don't even know the answer to. And just, you know, some, a little, a little helper that is there and an ally to an advocate for you to, get you what you need because that's so important is someone to to just help you because you know when I was released from the hospital and my first day I got home and then I was just there and it's a brand new world and you don't necessarily know what to do with yourself and it's overwhelming and as many helping hands as possible is great and there's a lot of amazing organizations out there and resources that I've been introduced to and talked to and they're they're all great but I still with my personal experience I still felt a lack of direction of where to go and how to get introduced to these organizations and get to the resources that they offer and my goal with this company is to be another helping hand and Mm -hmm. someone to help point you in the right direction and you know resources is only valuable if you know of it. And if there's lots of stuff out there that you don't know about, unfortunately, it's not going to help you. So I think as many people that can be out there putting themselves out there to try and answer questions, I think the better. Yep, absolutely. And that's really the main goal. It was just an idea built out of necessity from my own personal experience Mm. that I wanted to turn into something tangible to actually start helping people with because I knew that I'd put in a lot of time and effort doing the research for myself and 
I want to use that time that I spend. Like I said, I want to use everything that I'm doing to be productive so that I don't look back at that as wasted time going, oh, I can't believe it took me two months to figure out where to go to to get fitted for my wheelchair. I want to look back at that and be like, all right, that was research so that when someone asks me about that question, I'll be able to help them get that answer so it takes them two days. Yeah. And then they can spend the rest of that time in their new wheelchair, living a bit higher quality of life and pretty much getting right to the point. Oh, so cool. And you know, time is, time goes by so quickly and you know, when you go through something traumatic, I think you do gain a greater appreciation for time and kind of how, how valuable it is. So even something as simple as saving a day on doing research for something, if we can help someone save even that little bit of time, it's so valuable in the long run because these are, we're talking about our lives and quality of life and every little bit helps. And, you know, things aren't always easy. So to make simple tasks easier and just the simple task of getting a question answered or talking to someone personally is so valuable. So I just wanted to, you know, try and put myself out there as a resource for other people and try and pay it forward because there's been so many people that have helped me. I think your company is going to take off. And you know, is, what's the website? It's amputeeconcierge.org. Okay. We're going to have that in the show notes too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. And I'd love it if everyone could please come and check it out, read about what I'm trying to do and send me questions or comments or anything. I'm really just trying to trying to help spread the word and you know the first step is getting my name out there so that I can start talking to people and helping in any way I can yeah I think you're gonna you're gonna do great and there's something about when you reach a point in your life where you're really ready to give back I mean it's just so genuine from you I can just feel it it's thank you you are gonna help a lot of people once we get the word out we gotta do it yeah it's one of those things that when you have so many people helping you like which I have had I'm the I am alive today as the result of a culmination of people's goodwill and help and just willingness to do good for others that I feel the need to try and give back myself and I feel indebted to you know just society as a whole and the community around me and I want to do what I can to to help like I was helped it looks like yeah. my girlfriend Amanda's trying to sneak out of here. We should get her to say something before she leaves. Amanda, Amanda, head over here. Okay, really quick. So you're the Amanda who you had to cancel the date that night, and you're still here. Yes. And this is pretty amazing. Yes. So um, I guess a, a good question for you would be, um, how has your life changed through this experience that you've now been through together? That's a great question. Um, we start with a simple question. Yeah, <laughs> like, wow. Well, it's a little closer. <laughs> Perfect. Um, it's, I don't know how to answer that exactly, but I do know just being with Craig through everything he's been through has been a crazy experience and not only has Craig been um, on a healing path for himself he's been there for all the people in his life including me so our relationship is pretty solid and I like that that's cool Let's yeah keep it going <laughs> yeah and um, yeah we just we enjoy life together we work out together we have fun we laugh 
despite everything that he's going through, it's rough, but we just keep on keeping on. Um, yeah, it, that day that we were going to hang out on 4th of July, um, I didn't hear for him from him for a while. And um, I got a text from his roommate saying he'd have to reschedule. And then later on, yeah, and that text was kind of surprising, like, um, okay, what does that mean? <laughs> couldn't he have just texted me himself and say that like this is so not Craig there's something weird going on I hope he's okay and I got a call from his best friend later that night and he wanted to tell me what happened and he also told me that Craig wanted me to know that he was sorry that we had to cancel our plans and I was like what he's thinking about me while going through like the most tragic thing ever and from then on I I stayed with Craig because he's an awesome guy and yeah he's doing great and I'm happy to be with him I think um, it's obvious that you two are a good fit together and that you're a very uh, grounding person for him too and I think it probably goes both ways definitely goes both ways he grounds he helps me find groundedness for sure yeah that's great cool so where are you off to off to yoga pod in longmont awesome yeah okay, i've heard good <laughs> things about that one yeah it's a great studio come check it out for sure <laughs> i will all right well craig i only have two more questions okay we're wrapping you let's pause it here okay. i'll say bye to amanda yep. all right last couple questions here craig so i see you post this hashtag and you're wearing a shirt that says no bull yes so what's that all about no bull it's a Interesting story. They're a clothing brand and a shoe brand. And I had just bought one of their pairs of shoes before my accident. Only worn it once. And I, you know, I liked them. They're cool shoes. I like the style. And then I had purchased a second pair that had the stars and stripes on them. Mm -hmm. And my plan was to wear them for the first time on the 4th of July. I didn't wear them to work because I work outside at the reservoir. I didn't get them, didn't want to get them dirty, so I just had them waiting there. And my plan was to wear them on the 4th of July, and needless to say, I never got to wear them. So everything happened, time went by. Wow. And the first time that I met Angela at Boulder Community Hospital, when I was introduced to her and she started talking to me about the possibility of prosthetics and kind of what that future could look like and what the steps were taken, I asked her, I said, will I be able to wear shoes with my prosthetics? And she said, yes, we can get you some that have shoes go on them. And from then on, I made it kind of my goal to wear those shoes that I never got to wear. So then time went by and in November when I stood up and took my first steps, I had those shoes on and it was kind of a nice little goal I set for myself. And over that time, the company, No Bull and one of the founders, Michael, have reached out to me and they've been really big supporters of me and been there for me and just really cool guys. And it was really a, a cool experience to see that kind of my story had reached across the company to these guys that run this big shoe and clothing business that's really successful, took the time to learn about my story and reach out to me and support me. So I like to support them by wearing their clothes and it's just kind of you know a reminder of setting my goals on something and you know 
I wanted to walk in those pairs of shoes because, you know, you can't buy a pair of shoes and never wear them. So that was just kind of, you know, a big milestone for myself. So I continue to to like to to rep their clothes and stay in touch with them. And they're just really good guys. And it's it's a fun kind of relationship we have where we support each other in in little ways that mean a lot. Man, I think you're going to have a lot more relationships like that. I as, hope so. As you it's, go. it's a really cool feeling to have someone reach out to me and say that they've taken the time to read my story because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm just another guy who is going through life dealing with certain obstacles and sharing my story with the hopes of, you know, helping someone look at life from a new perspective or being inspired for whatever reason because you never know what is going to be that one thing that helps someone else. You never know what that little thing is going to be. And that's why people, I think we just need to have it. Our goal is in everyday life is just try and spread positivity to, to one another, regardless of how little you may think it is. You never know what is going to be picked up by that other person and help change somebody's life. And, you know, yeah, that's very powerful. Incredible. Well, this has been a marathon awesome podcast and live audience. And we've got, you know, you don't even know this, everyone, but there's a three and a half year old in here and he's been amazing, like an angel. Um, Angela's little boy, Jackson, Jackson right? Yeah, he's awesome. And you have a new puppy that you're training. Yeah, Charlie's been here. I'm sure he's really itching to go out for a walk after we finish up here. (laughs) Yeah, we're making him wait another second. Oh. Oh, Oh, there okay. he goes. <laughs> so I'll just take him out to use the bathroom and he'll be good. Okay. So yeah, Jackson's my little buddy. He's been to most of my walking sessions and been a big support to me. And same with his little brother, Wyatt. And, you know, their whole family has just been amazing. And I'm happy to say that we've become good friends now and support system and, you know, moved past from just the, the patient prosthetist relationship to, to actual friends. So... I can only hope they feel the same way. That's great. I think they do. I get that vibe. Yeah. Um, well, you you know, you always want to pick lawyers and CPAs and people who do the boring work that you like. Exactly. Right? Well, I think the same thing goes for your medical team. It's important, too, because, you know, when you're dealing with your body and something that's so intimate, you I think you need a personal relationship. And it can't just be all business and professional because what you're dealing with isn't just a business relationship. It's it's your body, it's your life, it's your future, it's everything. So you really need to, you know, that's why people in the medical field and therapy and just like even teachers, you, you really can see they have this personality of caring because it goes, the stuff that we deal with goes beyond business. It's person to person. And I think that's, you know, that's so valuable and it can't be overlooked in today's society that just the simple thing of sitting down and and having a conversation and talking about who we are as people and what we want to do and how we want to spread just a positive message is so valuable and we just need to talk to people and hear what we have to say and build a community of caring around what we're doing and, you know. It's so valuable to to just do that. And, you know, we can live happy lives regardless of anything that's going on and, you know, move past our unfortunate circumstances and just live good lives and get back to what's really important. And that's the connections we have with one another. The connections we have. 
Well, if you could, you've probably already hit on this final question, but it's probably a culmination of all these incredible insights that you've had through this, through this interview, but I'm going to lead into the last question because we've been going for a while and we can do another one of these anytime, <laughs> right? Um, and that is that if you could give our listeners one final parting piece of advice, one nugget to help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way, what would it be? I think the best advice I could give, and that's because this is advice that I give myself every day, I can only speak to things that I've tried myself and what works for me, and that's focusing on day-to-day tasks and bringing me giving meaning to the little things that we do and not taking anything for granted and even things that we think are meaningless and a waste of time to figure out why you think they're a waste of time and then figure out their purpose and really focus on that and then i think we'll start to realize that everything that we do is leading to something and has a greater purpose even if it doesn't seem like that in the moment And that when we start to appreciate these little parts of the day that we used to overlook, we'll kind of, you know, just feel more fulfilled with what we're doing and get to the end of the day and not feel like it flew by, but get to the end of the day and feel like there was an accomplishment and be proud of that accomplishment and take the time to be proud of that and then do it again the next day and continue to do that every single day so that we're having these victories and accomplishments and feeling good every day. And we're never waiting for that feeling and wondering when it's going to get to us, but have it be there every day and just know that, you know, we want to live in the moments and have that because there will be a day when that opportunity isn't there. And we don't want to, you don't want to have any regrets and look back and say, I wish I would have done that. Or why did I waste so much time doing this or that? We really just live in every moment and say, you know what? I'm here. This is what I'm doing. Let's make the best of it. Couldn't have said it better. <laughs> I couldn't have said it. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was amazing. I appreciate Thanks you for taking, all your time. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time and talking with me. This it's is a huge honor. This is it's fun stuff, and it's you know I learn a lot talking, and every time that I talk with someone about my experiences, it helps me kind of evolve my thinking as well. And that's beneficial in itself. So thank you very much. I have to say, that's another final nugget. Talk, people. Talk to each other. Mm -hmm. It's only going to help you. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. All right. I am back. And wow. I hope you're just sinking into the glow of this episode. I love every guest I interview. I truly believe that my guests are put on this planet for a purpose. We all are, in fact. But you get to hear some of the very extreme and special people in this world through Run This World podcast. Um, I believe in my heart that Craig is meant to do incredible things. He already is. Just by putting himself out there to share the moments that he says are hardest for him to share, Those are the moments that help the most people and they help him grow too. It's a win-win. This was a long one. So I will let you keep running shortly, but not before I paraphrase Craig's final nugget. Roll this around as you continue to move through this holiday season. Roughly, this is what Craig said. When asked 
what final piece of advice he has for you. Focus on the day-to-day tasks and give meaning to the little things we do. Don't take anything for granted. Even the things we think are meaningless and a waste of time, figure out why you think they're a waste of time and figure out their purpose. Then you'll realize that everything you do is leading to something and has a greater purpose, even if it doesn't seem like that in the moment. Then we can appreciate parts of the day that we used to overlook. It's a more fulfilling way to live our lives. And yes, that's me choking up because this is a powerful episode that probably, I'm assuming, touched all of us in some way. All right, everyone. We all want to support Craig now. I know it. I mean, he's just that kind of guy. So don't forget to go over to amputeeconcierge.com. Check out what Craig is up to. Please forward that website to everyone you think it can help. We need to get the word out for Craig. If you would like to donate, there's a link on the website and on his personal website, craigtowler.com. The money will go toward helping him get his business off the ground, as well as to assist with the ongoing expenses of life as a double amputee. And finally, get over to Instagram, craig.a.towler. Let's get him up to 10,000. Why not share his story? His story was truly meant to be shared. Okay, then. You know what time it is. It's time to get out there and run this world. Have a great workout, and I'll see you next week.